him. But once I found out that he didn't have a problem with cross-contamination, it just meant that he couldn't eat wheat itself. But cross-contamination, I still worried about how food was prepared outside of my home. And I had to really be like, okay, okay, Jen, we know that he doesn't deal with cross-contamination. It's okay that those people didn't change their gloves between the flour tortillas and the corn tortillas. Like, I, you know, and when I started to realize that I was being very um, fearful is when I realized that my good intention had turned into a problem. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, we're going to jump into our review of the week. This week's review is from Jesse L.M., and Jesse says, you need this podcast in your life. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, this is my jam. It's girl power, health awareness, and beauty acceptance all wrapped up into one cute little chit chat. If podcasts were friends, this would be the one that went to the gym with you and told you to drink more water and eat clean, but also which weight machines might make your butt look good. <laughs> It's so good. Thank you so much, Jesse, for your really fun review. We appreciate the time that you guys take to head over to iTunes, leave us reviews and ratings for the podcast. And if you haven't done so yet and you're enjoying the podcast, please do so. We would greatly appreciate it. And uh, here is today's episode. Welcome to Rebel Heart Radio, guys. We're so glad you're here. We're so excited to have this conversation today, but... First and foremost, girl, what's up with you? What is up with me? There's too many things up with me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is not up with what me? What is not up with me? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it's been, I've had some interesting physical challenges lately. So mm. last, I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, I did the catering for my sister-in-law's wedding, which was oh. 250 peeps. And it all, all the food. That's a lot of cupcakes. All the cupcakes. The cupcakes (laughs) were the fun slash Mm. easy part. You know, it's still hard work, but I definitely was in the kitchen being like (laughs) mixing batter and just like gushing to my mom. She was my kitchen assistant all week. I was like, mom, I love this so much. (laughs) (laughs) She was just like, okay, Cass, like you'll have a restaurant one day. (laughs) It was really funny. (laughs) I didn't expect you to say that like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I just was in, I was on cloud nine the whole time I was doing, at least like the baking portion of it. I really love it. And it was a good reminder <laughs> of how much I love it and that my dream for having a restaurant is not just like some hilarious like thing I've put in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, I still want to do this. I still, um, I still do, still love this. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. I mean, 
way too much food. So we had too much for the wedding, which was great because we had <gasps> extra leftover. Um, yes. But during that week, I was, you know, working my business and doing the food prep. And I obviously didn't work my business all that much, mm-hmm. but enough. And pretty much like got myself dehydrated and started getting <laughs> symptoms that felt like Meniere's disease. Oh, hi. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to be the person who's like, I have a diagnosis. <laughs> but I started to get um, some dizziness. I mm. felt some nausea. And both of those were kind of after having an entire day of having like ringing in my ear and or my ear was plugged. In case you guys don't know, I actually have a diagnosis. I know. Nasty, and I literally so. was like, Okay, don't talk to Genevieve about this because if you do, all of your worst nightmares will come to fruition because she's going to go, yep, that's exactly the symptoms that I have when I have an episode of your Meniere's disease. So I (laughs) am hoping that it's not like, you know, something that's going to be consistent. It seems to have been brought on by stress and Mm -hmm. dehydration and lack of sleep. And so... You know, when things like that happen, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before on the podcast and, um, you know, being vulnerable with everybody is not easy for me because I like to share, I like to share my struggles after I've already fixed them. Yeah. <laughs> not when I'm like <laughs> currently trying to fix them or getting help with them. Um, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I'm trying to do more is share about this stuff when it happens on social media. And, um, even though I put explicitly in the post this is not an invitation for suggestions. I still got like a bajillion suggestions. Oh, come on. All I did was I took a screenshot of the post that I did and then did another circle of the, this is not an invitation for suggestions and just said, I love you guys. Please come back. (laughs) I sent it back. But, um, the response I got on social media, everybody was so sweet and so kind. It's, it's really hard for me because I actually don't want you to message me back and say, guess what? I didn't. <laughs> you feel better. <laughs> and <for laughs> that did, like, I still love you. We're good. Like, don't worry about oh, yeah. it. But I, I, I didn't because I knew I was going to talk to you. Well, it's just, I just don't like, it just makes me really uncomfortable to get all those. <laughs> it feels like giant words of affirmation or like, I know that's not affirmation for someone to say, Hey, feel better. Well wishes, whatever. But yeah. it just reminds me of my lack of invincibility and my brokenness. And I don't mm-hmm. need a reminder because I'm already in that space of being like, this sucks and I need to fix it. And I need to fix it right now because I need to be back to being my full eightness. <laughs> okay. So I have a question for you then that you may yes. not have an answer to, but this, this is a real Great. genuine question. Bring it. So in, the, in that space, what is the appropriate way to interact with you? It's just like sending a heart of like acknowledgement. For me without asking. Don't ask. Drop some broth off on my porch. Bring me some flowers. Because your love language is gifts, correct? Gifts, dude. But it doesn't have to be like fancy gifts. Just so we're saying gifts for with a T. Absolute close friends. Yeah, I was to say we're we're talking about gifts with a T. But however, Cassie does love. Oh, you can also send me a gift. Or is it a GIF? <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't. I don't I even know. I would like that. So I. Right. Another thing. <laughs> I appreciate from people is realness. So this is actually something that we kind of talked about on the podcast episode with Liz, where when people are, you know, coming to you and saying like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like something they also want to hear is like, this really fucking sucks. Like, and so I would love to hear back. Like that's shitty. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's like a a direct response that I, 
<laughs> I appreciate. So I, anyways, I know I'm a complicated human being and I don't like a lot of human emotions. So I recognize that I'm a big weirdo over here. But anyway, oh, and I don't think it's that weird. I just think that other people that feel the same way you do don't talk about it because sure, okay. it makes them uncomfortable. So that's why I was like, well, okay. So in your situation, what is the best way to interact so with you? Because I think, I think there's a lot of people like you. <laughs> I think so. There is some education I can bring to the table here. Because one of the things, if you have an eight in your life <clears throat> and they're struggling or like with a health issue or they're just like sick and you want to do something for them, do not ask them what they can do or what you can do. Do not ask them. Like, because if you ask me, can I do anything for you? You're I'm going to tell you, no, I got it. Like, because I do have it. I do have it. I'm fine. Um, even when but I'm it's not, still nice to be acknowledged. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. So if you want to do something for someone and your thought process when you reach out is like, oh, I'm going to ask them if I can do something for them. Um, this is for your strong friends. So it's probably like your three friends too. And maybe even your two friends who don't accept help very much, who are stressed, who are stressed because they're always stressed because they're taking on everybody else's stress. Oh gosh. Um, it's very hidden. You know, just, I, this probably could just blanket be for people who just have trouble accepting help. Okay. Mm -hmm. Strong. They do things on their own. Who cares about their Enneagram type, but just do the thing. Like don't ask, don't ask me if you can bring me soup, just bring me the soup. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I will eat it and I will be I find the sixes in my life are the same way. So I think you're right. Like people oh, understand. Have, have a hard time accepting help. Like when I have sixes in my life that are going through health problems, yeah. I get specific. I'm like, can I bring you bone broth? Will that be appropriate for you? Can I bring you this? And they always tell me no, no thanks. And so the caveat for me is that I don't like to be surprised. So don't mm -hmm. come to my door expecting me to talk to you. Put it Yeah, on just drop porch. it off and leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drop it, it off and leave. <laughs> I'm going to really, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens after this podcast. <laughs> uh, the funny part is I don't think any of my super close friends listen and my closest friend is sitting on this call with me right now. So. And I don't live close enough to just pop by. Like, no, don't. Just don't. Just <laughs> no, send don't. Me, send me funny gifs or gifs or whatever. And we'll be good. Anyways, bringing it back in. I have been struggling with the dizziness, um, some nausea, some vomiting, unfortunately. <laughs> and, um, and so it seems to be kind of cyclical, which again mm -hmm. points toward Meniere's disease and comes in like this interesting cascade. And so I've just tried to be in this place of observation rather than like being hard on myself for going through that or, um, you know, feeling down. And I've talked about this also in, on my Instagram stories before, but I feel like every time I try to make a new move, to improve my health, I get like a hard stop. Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what I feel like is happening right now. And it makes me feel defeated. Like if I'm just being mm -hmm. super vulnerable, it makes mm -hmm. me feel super defeated because right now I'm also so excited because the gym that I go to just added a new program and mm -hmm. it's gonna, it's called, they're calling it base camp instead of boot camp because it's like oh. that you know, Mount Hood or whatever. I'm not going to say where my athletic club is. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> basically at this, at the club I go to, there's, they've added kind of this extra entire wing, like training area that has like functional training equipment. So there's like TRX systems, which we had before, but now there are a ton of them. Um, there's lifting platforms. There's like functional places to like hang from bars and do 
all sorts of climbing and really cool stuff. And so it's kind of this new training modality that sounds like it's going to be in like a hit slash CrossFit style. Mm-hmm. That really appeals to me because I'm just kind of done being a part of a CrossFit gym for now. Like it's just mm-hmm. not a healthy place for me to be. I can, I can't walk into a CrossFit gym and feel like, you know, I'm not going to overdo it. I always overdo it because all I remember from being in that place is being like super ripped, super strong and fast. And so that's what I try to do. And so I just know myself well enough. Um, But the other piece of knowing myself well when it comes to exercise is that I need someone to tell me what to do. I was listening to the Driven podcast, which you edit for Diane and Cassie Joy. The other day, and Diane was talking about how much she loves her Peloton bike because she just gets on it and someone tells her what to do. And she is also an Enneagram 8. I need areas of my life where I don't have to make decisions. And I think yes, everybody ma'am. needs this. I think everybody yeah. mm-hmm. needs areas of their life where they do not have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that I'm tired of making decisions about. Like, I don't want to go in and be like, oh, is it chest day or back day? Like, are we doing How am I feeling? elliptical, which I don't mm-hmm. do elliptical, but whatever. <laughs> or are we sprinting? Are we doing the rower? So I just, I need to walk into the gym and have someone be like, this is what we're doing today and you will do it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Really I feel exciting that because like the timing lines up and everything. And so oh. I get myself a time because you have to like do a fitness assessment before you can go into the program because they want to know where your ability level is. Super is smart. It was great. Um, and I had that all set up for Tuesday and then I was literally flat on my face <laughs> with a uh, dizziness and I was just like, why? I'm so excited for this new thing. And I need there not to be any more obstacles. I'm tired of obstacles. They yep. go away. Mm-hmm. I know. And in my case, I lean hard into my eightness and I just want to like blast through all the things that I will uh, like, and then my three wing hits and I will achieve. Like I just go so hard yeah. into like when I get frustrated, it's like slash Gretchen Rubin work or like, cause I'm an obliger. I go into like massive obliger rebellion. Like, don't tell me. You don't tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah. I'm a complex human being. But <laughs> but then I like lean into the eight where I just want to like, I just, I want my own autonomy. And so I'm like, I go into it so hard. Yep. And it's just, and then I feel guilty because I'm like probably doing things that are like avoiding, you know, other responsibilities because I'm focused, so laser focused on something that I really, really want to do. Right. I've 100% been where you are in like my own way where it's just, you're just so tired of it. You're so tired of feeling like you can't just do. Well, like, and you know, there's this interesting, there's interesting energy exchange that happens too, because when you have obstacles that get in your way, like you need to look at those <laughs> and be yeah. like, is this obstacle happening for a reason? Yeah. Or is it just an obstacle to be an obstacle? And some of yes. those are just there to be there and for us to, to bust through them. And that's what this Mm -hmm. feels like for me. And obviously I am going to, if I feel dizzy, if I have like the inner ear issue, I will slow down. I will not go to the gym. I will rest. I will lay down. I will go for a walk. I will figure it out, but I'm doing this thing. (laughs) So be ready for lots more fitness updates for me. You will not see me posting workouts because not an expert, but (laughs) 
We've had a couple of people request that we like talk about fitness on the podcast. And I'm like, I, there's no fitness experts. Here. We can bring some on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, that'll <laughs> happy, be a thing. Happy to do that. So anyways, but yeah, that's kind of been my struggle lately. I, um, I'm ready to be done with it already, even though it's something that kind of just started popping up for me. Um, right. And then the other thing that's been on my mind, which we're going to talk about today in our episode is just feeling frustrated with how limited I feel when it comes to showing up in like the food blogging world. Mm -hmm. And I think for the longest time, I felt like because I was a nutritional therapist that I had to show up as a nutritional therapist in the food blogging space. But all mm -hmm. I wanted to do was create beautiful, delicious food. Some of it's healthy and some of it is also healthy, but just in smaller portions. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, we're moving away from that conversation around good food, bad food, healthy food, unhealthy food. Like food mm -hmm. is just, it just is food. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not going to suggest that you eat 12 cupcakes a day. Like that's not... <laughs> You're like, no, it's not going to help you feel good, <laughs> but you know, having one cupcake or whatever a week or something to that extent, like you just, you get to decide that for yourself and it's not my job to police that for you. I can provide a delicious sugar laden recipe that you can use when you want to have that. And I don't just made me so happy. Sugar laden. <laughs> sugar laden. So anyways, it's, um, we'll dig into that a little bit more today, but that's just, I cannot been, wait ruminating on those thoughts lately yeah I feel like we're very much in a similar place right now I know which, uh, we do this over and over again where we don't talk for a long time and then we come together and we're like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for everyone listening we have tried to record like two or three oh my gosh row and it's just not <laughs> happened no which means we we're recording this episode mere days before it's going to launch. So that's yeah. okay. But everything is very much so on the forefront of what we're thinking mm -hmm. and feeling. So that's also mm -hmm. good. I kind of like it when that happens sometimes. Yeah. Very much matches up with my social media sharing. <laughs> Great. Love it. <laughs> but sim very similar place. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to dive into my WhatsApp because it's like, I am exactly in that same place, but with my professional side with makeup and skincare, um, it's been really challenging for me lately because it all started if y'all follow my Instagram you've heard this several times now but it's kind of blowing my mind the response that I'm getting from people um I started watching if you know Jeffree Star he also has a cosmetics company called Jeffree Star Cosmetics and he started a like a documentary style YouTube series with a man named Sean um, Shane Dawson and the interesting thing about this pairing is that Jeffree Star is very much deep into the um, traditional conventional makeup world. That's where he lives. He's very much about like the snatch, the look, the, you know, he's got the nails, the hair, like he's got the whole thing. Yes. Like that's, he's all about snatched this and like perfect that and like false lashes and like the, I mean, he goes the whole nine yards, the beat, like he's just, it, that's what he does. And that's what he's known for. And the interesting thing about watching him doing this documentary style with Shane Dawson is the fact that they are in totally different worlds. Mm -hmm. Shane Dawson is very much in the like lifestyle, like comedy world. Okay. And he, they both are gigantic on YouTube. So they came together, they've become friends. They did this collaboration for Jeffree Star Cosmetics because Shane's getting into makeup and they just did a beautiful job of documenting everything very closely. And it feels like you are literally like immersed in their world. Like you understand their emotions like there's just 
each episode's like an hour long. And I think there's like six or seven of them. I don't know how many there are, but I've watched them all. You're gorging on this. Yes. Like, I mean, it is, it is like a Netflix special, like (laughs) on YouTube, on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it absolutely sucked me in because it started out with just this, like learning more about Jeffree Star's world and like what he's in anyway. And it got me thinking, like, I haven't bought anything but clean, quote unquote, clean beauty for three solid years. I know. Solid years. Like, and you guys, this is coming from the woman who, whose husband knew how much I loved makeup, stalked certain YouTubers, Instagrams and their YouTube to watch when their launches were to surprise me with launches for things Aww. that I loved. He did that for me once, like totally unbeknownst to me. He'd like saved a little bit of money, stashed it away. I didn't know about it. Like, I don't even know how I didn't know about it, but that's he straight up, like really speaking to your gifts. Oh my gosh. It gifts blew my it. mind because when you, if you guys know, when you participate in like a YouTuber's launch with like a cosmetics company, it's bonkers. Mm-hmm. They sell out in seconds. Nobody is ever prepared. I don't know why anyone is not prepared these days. Like, do you not understand? <laughs> I know it's probably difficult with the the measurement of what kind of how many to to buy and like they all they have to go on is like previous launches and you know I get it, but it seems like no one's ever prepared when they do these launches with um, YouTubers with like influencers, quote unquote. <laughs> mm. Anyway, and so I had the most points at Sephora, the most points at Ulta, like you at the, the exact same time. P in the world. <laughs> oh, oh, y- yes. Like this is from you- a quote from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> My daddy is the VIPest P there ever was or something to that effect. <laughs> That's amazing. Sorry. <laughs> Parks no, and, and actually, I'm pretty sure I was called a VIP Rouge at Sephora. Yeah. Pretty sure that's what it was yeah. called. <clears throat> anyway, so just to give you a picture of where I was at the exact moment that I started researching about products <clears throat> and why I was having skin problems and then what caused me to, to lean into clean beauty and non-toxic skincare, like all that category, it was, it was kind of a painful transition for me. Like it was really difficult for me to switch transitions. So I literally had to, it was, it almost felt like an, like an addiction because I had to purposely like step back from that world and be like, I couldn't even take in the social media. Like I couldn't take in what was happening around me with like social media anymore because I I felt like I was missing out. I felt like I wasn't participating in the beauty world anymore. And that kind of hurt a little bit. Like I felt like I lost a little bit of my identity because I couldn't participate in the social side, quote unquote, I'm doing a lot of air quotes, the social <laughs> side <laughs> of beauty, you know, and it, and it really hurt. And this was like 2000, what is it? 19. It was like 2015, 2016 in that area. And, uh, that was really, really hard for me to feel like I couldn't participate, like I didn't belong. So I literally had to turn my back. I couldn't, I couldn't watch social media stuff anymore. I stopped following my influencers that I loved, even, even though I adore their artistry. I, it hurt that I couldn't participate mm. in what they were doing in any regards. I couldn't, I couldn't find products that would mimic the looks they were doing most of the time. I couldn't participate in the trends that they were participating in. I couldn't, I did air quotes again. Oh my gosh. I just put my hands down. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, I think there's so many terminology around 
categorical things like clean beauty, um, vegan this, paleo that, keto yeah, I mean, this. Same in the nutrition space, in the yeah. clean beauty space, it's kind of, you go, and when you switch, like when you're having health issues and you switch, and let's say you're ha- you were having health issues and you switched to clean beauty, you were having mm-hmm. health issues and you started eating keto, you know, I was having we have circumstances in our life that drive us to strictness and that strictness mm-hmm. is called for sometimes. Right. Right. But yes. When, and I think that's the conversation I want to have with more. Strictness? <laughs> exactly. When does, when does it end? When do we get to have flexibility? And the truth of that is, is like whenever you decide you want to, <laughs> yeah. or you could have it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that's been hard for me to step back into that. Mm-hmm. because I, there's been a ton of fear that well, was that like was when I went on either side of it yes 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 and so okay so after doing the brave fear retreat with Brienne I've really started to redefine what fear mm. is for me like I'm starting to look at it a little more closely because I didn't think that I had a lot of fear I always thought that I was a brave person <laughs> uh, I think it's more of like a human behavior to fear things and not look at it unless you're an Enneagram 4 and then you can look at it, but I digress. <laughs> like, and it was really interesting for me to partake in this documentary series because I was fascinated and I love that I got to hear all the business. You guys know I'm a huge business nerd. I love hearing like the stats. I love knowing how the strategies, I love, I love all that stuff. I think it's super interesting. I think that's one of my favorite parts about Beauty Counter is I got a deeper look at the inside of what uh, it took to make a clean beauty brand. And like, I feel like I understand, like, it's just so interesting. And so I got sucked into this and I was like, oh my gosh. I want to buy this palette. Stop it. I don't want to buy this palette. I'm not going to buy this palette. I'm not going to, I can't. I, can't, I could not buy this palette. I could never buy this palette. And I was like, like there, those are all the thoughts that were going through my head. And there was all this fear of like, okay, maybe I will buy this palette, but I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, this is genuinely what is going through my head. And then I was like, oh, there's all this fear around people like seeing that I'm using conventional products and like all this fear of like, oh, I'm, I'm not voting with my dollar if I buy this palette. And like, there's just so much complexity to the thoughts that were going through my head that it made me go, whoa. Because like this series launched the beginning of October and it's taken me like two and a half to three weeks. So it's, it's, it's been a month now since the, it first launched. Um, but it took me like two and a half, three weeks to be like, okay, I think this is worth looking at because obviously it's triggering me in some way. (laughs) Like I am, I am, there's so much fear around this and there's starting to be more conversation around it in the food space and I'm here for it. I think it's amazing. And because I don't professionally live in that space that deep, it doesn't feel as um, like chain breaking, Mm -hmm. but hearing you talk about it, I feel so much the same way being a clean non-toxic makeup artist and skincare expert. It's like, I feel so much, I feel, I feel so good about talking about it openly because I feel like I'm like stretching, you know what I mean? This is like like, coming back to the same conversation that we had around like lip fillers and injections and Botox mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. 20 when it comes to food and the like misimplications of balance in general, all of this kind of conceptual shit can put it together and I think the real real is that we, you know, the general trajectory that we all kind of find ourselves on is 
we, you know, start out into clean beauty, health and wellness, um, you know, in a strict sense, because that's what helps us introduce changes in our life in the very beginning. And it's what helps us find resolution to the major issues that we're having. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it was very easy for me to be a zealot about eating paleo in the very beginning because it literally changed my friggin' life. Mm -hmm. And I think half-assing it probably would not have changed my life as much. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that doing paleo 20% and not 80% or vice versa is like half-assing, but just speaking- That was your experience. My own perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I went 100% <laughs> and, um, and I stuck to it. And for me, that was what I needed to do to heal and what I needed to do to get a handle on how certain foods made my body feel. Mm-hmm. And having an understanding of that allowed me to increase flexibility over time. And the same goes with, um, you know, just kind of exercise in general, like going to CrossFit and then being super duper strict with that. And then feeling like I couldn't do any other kind of workout because CrossFit was the best workout, right? Or is the best way to get fit. It's like there Mm -hmm. are 10,000 ways to get fit. You don't have to be a CrossFitter to, but it's easy to get in that zealot space with both. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think we do that in clean beauty too. And And mind you, let me just remind everybody, like our message here is still do what you can with what you have. It will always be our message. And Mm -hmm. so if what you have is a serious love for high intensity colors in your makeup, um, you're not going to necessarily find that. I know you're not going to necessarily find that in clean beauty. It's really hard to find. There are some places where it's starting to pop up, which is so cool, but you're still going to be limited in some ways. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the conversation I wanted to open up. Yeah, was and like, you might be limited by performance. You might be limited by, and this kind of goes back to like the food blogging thing I was talking about too. Like I am so sick and tired of trying to take these amazing, wonderful, even gluten-free recipes. Like everything I share is always going to be gluten-free because that is how I eat and that's how I feel my best. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably makes a lot of people feel better. <laughs> like the majority Mm -hmm. and merely because we all don't digest it well. So, Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean I don't want to have like a donut every once in a while, a cronut, as I've talked about. I was just going to say that. Previously, shout out to five five daughters bakery in Nashville. (laughs) Um, my girl Laurel understands, Um, but I, it's something that you know, I think back to that trajectory, you know, we start in the, we're frustrated, we are struggling, we need resolution, we find it in strictness, but then how do we like, let go integrate that? Yeah. How do we reintegrate? And one of my favorite conversations in the food space, I mean, it started happening several years ago. Um, Mark Sisson did a talk at Paleo FX and I want to say it was like 2015 because I think I was pregnant that year when I went to Paleo FX um, with Little Man. And he started talking about just this concept behind like the point of healing is to then be able to come from a place of living life fully and expanding into a sense where you are trying to get away with as much as you possibly can. 
Like, yes. Let's yes. get away yes. with as much as we possibly can. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're doing the 80, 20 dance, but you could handle the 70, 30, well go handle the 70, 30. Like that yeah. sounds great because yeah. sounds freeing. Can, so freeing. And so whatever can kind of bring joy back and help you find a place that feels good to you. That's not so dogmatic. And this Mm -hmm. is coming from a person who had the dogmatic perspective from the beginning. And I thought I was going to be eating perfectly clean paleo for the rest of my freaking life. But then I healed my gut. Then I got my weight under control in a way that made me feel good when I woke up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to conceive easily. I like, there's so many beautiful things that have happened out of that. And as I've moved through life changes and circumstances changing and moving and um, schedule changing and all this sort of stuff, I've leaned into this idea that finding flexibility in our routines, in our norm is like part of the beauty of kind of living this alternative lifestyle in general. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the same person who, you know, maybe hasn't been on that journey of having a period of strictness or having a specific protocol that they're following, whatever it may be, whether we're talking about personal care products, beauty products, um, you know, nutrition, exercise, whatever it is. Like, I think all of those are kind of, we can talk about those in the same context Mm -hmm. that, you know, just because that was healing for a time doesn't mean we have to maintain that forever. (laughs) Like, yeah flexibility is so important. There's this concept within um, makeup artistry that gets talked about often enough that you might have heard it if some people are into it. It's, it's, there are really no rules in makeup. It's guidelines. And a lot of like learning makeup, I'm going to air quote again, a lot of learning makeup is actually really like learning some of the concepts behind the, the quote unquote, they're rules, they're not really rules, but once you learn them, you can, then you understand where the boundaries can be, and then you can break them. Mm-hmm. You can choose to like riff and like flow in your artistry. And I feel like that's where, for me personally, I feel my best is when I can like rift and flow and function within my life that makes sense, you know? And it's like where I don't feel restricted, I feel free. And I think that the the big question for me is when does when does good intentions become a problem? Mm. Because that's different for every person. You know, it's like for for me, I had to go through those years of really strict, like we went keto really strictly for about a solid year, um, so we could understand my daughter's health problems. Because without when you that, started that, and you yeah. saw that resolution, you probably thought we're going to be eating this way forever. We're going to cyclically be eating keto. Yeah, no, genuinely. I thought we'd be cyclically going in and out of like strict keto and like carb cycling for the the duration of while I was in charge of her food. And that's just not been true. Um, every time for, for us, it just, you guys know, like if you are taking care of children, you've been around children, you, uh, you have your own children, you teach them, like if you've spent any time with children, it is ridiculously hard to regiment children in any regard because it feels intuitively wrong because they're growing human beings like they're they're growing they're changing they're they're learning their brains are not fully developed and so they're going to make bad decisions and like and you know and I and I think this is where this concept has really been helpful for me as a mother is 
choosing to have a little bit of softness around letting them, I want them to be able to have those moments of like, okay, three pieces of Halloween candy in one day is too much because I feel gross. If I, I knew that was going to happen, I knew that was going to happen. And I told them, I'm like, well, how are you feeling? After they had the second piece that day, I was like, how, how are you feeling? I feel great. And I'm like, okay. Like, and then we have this conversation around, okay, have you pooped yet today? And then we have the conversation, have you had enough water? Because I want them to like, intu- like intuitively understand how they're, where their body's coming from. But I let them have those moments. And <laughs> Lucy, my six-year-old's at this point now where she's like, why did you let me have that piece of candy? And I was like, well, you're not going to do that again, are you? Like, I want to see her say that to you. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's she's said it to me in so many different regards now. Like, yeah, my actually, kid's not old enough for that. <clears throat> oh, she's so smart. It's kind of scary how smart she is. Like, she's intuitively knows what's going on, but maturity level hasn't caught up with her smartness. <laughs> so mm. she says things where I'm like, not just like the nature oh. of being a child or just a human being, <laughs> right? <laughs> I go in and out of mature. Why can't my maturity catch up? (laughs) (laughs) My brain. My brain says, don't do this. Uh, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, I know. And she's an interesting person to um, help grow because she challenges me on those levels. Like my son is very much a um, learn by other people's mistakes or my mom says that this probably will will suck. So I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But my daughter is not that way. She kind of has to feel the suck. And then decide what she thinks about it, <laughs> and then probably do it again, and do, you know what I mean. And that might be like know. a little eight you're dealing with there. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've thought that so many times. I'm I like, okay, like there have been so many moments in my life where I'm like, why do I always have to do things the hard way? Like, why can't I do things the easy way the first time around? <laughs> because right. I always have to figure out what's you know what works for me and what doesn't. Like on my own, mm-hmm. I have to. Mm-hmm. It's just the way I operate in the world. Mm-hmm. I know. And uh, my hope for her is that she will, she will look at the things that are really deal breakers for her. Like, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to experience that and then choose not to experience that, but like, look at the full consequence spectrum. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it takes so having that flexibility. Otherwise, if you, if you have that regimented lifestyle and it's very like, you'll go to bed at this time, you will only eat these things. You will not eat these things. You will not participate in that. You will like, and you're very like regimented and you don't let them have some of those, you know, questionable experiences on that front or what, you know, somebody who's very strict in their lifestyle and they're very dogmatic in their lifestyle. They view it as strict or they, they view it as just, you know, this is the, the fence of the fence of safety. If you, if you have a fence, and then you have a small little field, and then you have a moat. You mm-hmm. got to let them go play in the field a little bit to yeah. figure out, you know, and then you have that fence of safety. And it, it, for me, it was also more important for my health to let go a little bit and important for me to be okay with that really junk food, gluten-free cupcake and be like, okay, well, we're going to evaluate and see how this goes. And it was just, it was just really important for my mental health to like, let go a little bit Mm -hmm. because I was, I was starting to feel, and this is where orthorexia kind of comes in as I was starting to feel panicked when my children had access to things that made me uncomfortable, like inflammatory oils and sugar and 
you know, I didn't know if my son dealt with cross-contamination, but once I found out that he didn't have a problem with cross-contamination, it just meant that he couldn't eat wheat itself, mm-hmm. but cross-contamination, I still worried about how food was prepared outside of my home. And I had to really be like, okay, okay, Jen, we, we know that he doesn't deal with cross-contamination. It's okay that those people didn't change their gloves between the flour tortillas and the corn tortillas. Like, I, you know, and when I started to realize that I was being very um, fearful is when I realized that my good intention had turned into a problem. That was really, really big interesting. for me. I, like, on the flip side for me, I find that I need to be more strict than is necessary with my son when it comes to his food choices. And Mm -hmm. I will say a lot of the choices we make in food for him are um, just choices that we're making. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have an autoimmune condition. He doesn't have anything diagnosed. I know he can't handle gluten very well just based on two experiences in toddlerhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And it had more to do with um, sugar and behavior than it Mm -hmm. did with you know gut issues or rashes or whatever um i know he can't have too much dairy otherwise we start dealing with some things he tends to do well with like fermented dairy and one Mm. of the things that has been a challenge for me is kind of entering into this place where i have to trust other people to prepare food for him and so this is my mom my mother-in-law and then he's now getting snacks at preschool too and we kind of talked about this a little bit but I, in general, I have to be stricter than I need to be with like my mother-in-law specifically because she gets confused if I introduce flexibility. So if I, if I introduce some flexibility and we give little man some, um, let's say like regular sugar. So he's having like a gluten-free cupcake or something like that. Um, or he's having some bread and she doesn't understand that it's gluten-free bread or whatever it is, it, it introduced enough flexibility that brings in confusion for her. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't mm-hmm. understand then moving forward where the lines are now. So I have to create stricter lines with certain people and certain situations so that there's a buffer because I know they're still not going to fully get and or respect those lines. So Mm -hmm. if I make them finer, then they'll actually be adhered to. (laughs) I totally relate to that. That's kind of a challenging thing that I come up against. And it's kind of this cyclical thing where you have to remind everyone, you know, just because he had this, this, and this doesn't mean that that's something we do on a regular basis. And then the definition of a regular basis is different for every person, right? And so it starts Mm -hmm. to kind of devolve and unravel. And Mm -hmm. that's something where I can control the health of my child by controlling what we eat when we're all together. And my thought process is I'd like to control what he eats when, you know, he is in our home because there's going to be control that I don't have when he's not. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've and been I through have that. To be okay with that, but I'm mm-hmm. finding it's difficult. It's difficult because I don't want to be. I don't want to be rigid with him. I don't mm-hmm. because of this conversation that we're having. And so, you know, I'm finding him um, asking me if um, certain personal care products are good or bad, which is really interesting. That is interesting. So he'll we when we go out and. Uh, wash our hands in a public restroom, I always bring soap. And there've been a few Mm -hmm. occasions where we didn't. And so we just rinsed and then we did some hand sanitizer afterwards. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to put regular hand soap on my kid's hands. 
And mm-hmm. so now when he goes other places, he'll, he'll say, mom, is this bad soap? Here's this good soap. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> you know what Lucy says, Lucy says, do, do you trust this soap or not? Oh, that's a really intuitive. God, she's so smart. That's ridiculous. I know. Like, I swear. Like, I am still I'm just sure like, you say, like, I don't trust that. Um, <laughs> so for, for little man, I've tried to, I'm trying to reframe it because I don't, it's already like, I'm already not intentionally putting that forward. I'm actually intentionally trying to not put good and bad forward when it comes to anything, mm-hmm. um, but trying to explain it in a way that he understands Um, and I just tell him, you know, like, this is our special soap that works really well and we like it. Like it's, this is what we like. And so I don't, if anybody has any advice on, I'm actually calling for advice on this. So if anybody has it, please reach out (laughs) around how to talk to your kids around that. So they don't develop this good or bad mentality, um, you know, clean or not clean, clean or dirty or whatever it is. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just wanted to acknowledge that it is a big challenge when you're trying to kind of do right by your kids, because I think as adults and obviously fully developed human beings, like biologically, we can handle more, we can handle more of the 80, 20, we can handle more of the 20, right? We can handle more of the, um, toxic makeup. We can handle more of canola oil or whatever it is. Whereas tiny bodies who are developing really don't necessarily need to be exposed to that if you can help it. Um, but there's gotta be some sort of semblance of, of flexibility there. And I think that's where it's important for me to have this conversation openly because it's all about how are we educated on this process of you know, quote unquote, cleaning up our lives. Gosh, there's so many ear quotes in it, but it's true. It's, it's, because it, it's so different for every person. You know, for me, we can't do hand sanitizer because my, my daughter's hand erupts into eczema. I mean, I'm talking like within two days of using hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, maybe three times a day at school. She's, her hands are bloody, you guys. Like, this is not just, it's so frustrating. And, and she's itchy and it hurts. And I don't know why, but it took me a long time to figure out that she wasn't using the hand sanitizer I was sending her to school with because the teacher lost it and nobody said anything to me. And I just didn't even think about it. I was just like, what is different? Like what's going on with your food and the environment? And so there is something to cleaner products or better formulated, safer, any of these more, more intentionally formulated products, 100% same with food, you know? But as we move into this space of, so much information we have to have these conversations of where what works for us and what doesn't Mm -hmm. like like gluten will never work in my family because my son has a wheat allergy and my daughter gets um has a lot of gastrointestinal stress when she um takes in gluten because there was a while where we were letting her take in stuff and we kind of figured out after watching her for a while what was going on but uh, like i can't do sugar like, I don't think I've even told you this yet, but yesterday I totally had a gallbladder attack oh. and like to the point where just walking hurt. And I was like, okay, well, but can we, we just go. have like a, have a clapping, like praise moment? Because <laughs> you didn't, you didn't message me because you knew what to do. Oh, you know what I did? You know what I did do? I went out and bought all those things to make that yummy slaw. And I took, um, ox bile and drank more water and because what happened was 
this is you'll appreciate this if you're into nutrition and whatever. I really struggle with breaking down fats. Like my body just does undo it on its own, like not easily. Like I really need stomach acid support. I really need enzymes. And I ran out of my your gallbladder just needs some hand holding. Little TLC. Oh good. Um, but I ran out of my betaine, so the hydrochloric acid. And this has been years of Cassie helping me years of me being like what's happening to my body and I'm always like just take some HCL yeah she's always like my answer to answer (laughs) um but I ran out of it and time just flew I ran out of it like right before Halloween it was like the week of Halloween and Halloween was bonkers for me like the weekend before I threw a party like for for my friends and family like there there was a lot going on there was things at school you guys know how Halloween can be and literally I felt like I blinked and 10 days passed by and I was like hadn't taken my betaine in 10 days and it doesn't matter what I eat what I don't eat I need that support and so I hadn't really done anything different I probably had a little bit of candy around Halloween but I didn't go crazy with it like I had small amounts of candy but I didn't like eat tons of baked goods I wasn't eating sugary drinks like this is all stuff that I was doing in the past and being like it's just a drink my body it's not solid it'll be fine Uh, you know all these things that my body my mind processes went to and I realized oh my gosh it's been 10 days since I've had betaine and I went holy crap that's why I'm hurting so much. So I went out and got my patine, did the processes that Cassie's walked me through to help my body like recover better. And I feel so much better today, but I felt like a stuffed sausage for like two days. Oh, it's the worst. Oh my gosh. I, I was like so swollen. sausage all the time. Would you say it's probably not because you're overweight. It's probably it's how I feel because you need some help with um, fatigue and bloating and digestion, all the things. So my colon was guys, mad. If you're wondering about this slaw, and if you guys oh, so want good. to learn more about digestion in general, maybe you're new to the podcast. Hi, welcome. Um, we have two uh, OG episodes of the podcast, episodes 18 and 19, that are all about digestion. So make sure you go listen to those if you're having any digestion. And the reason why it was so early on is because it was so integral for my health and me understanding my body. Because, And the thing is, is I haven't had a gallbladder attack in two years. Mm-hmm, like a true mm-hmm. gallbladder attack. Cassie might remember the first time because it was me when she made me open up that ox pile, um, and I was like, "You want me to what?" <laughs> and for those that don't know, ox bile is a gallbladder support supplement that tastes like shit. It's exactly it what like it sounds bile. like. It's exactly, it and she was like, "But I was, I was in emergency status. Like I was, I was really, I was probably just a few days past where I was last night. But as soon as I recognized what was going on, I had that." fullness feeling in my side and every time I stepped just the jiggle of my step was like enough for me to go ooh, like oh okay there's like something going on there and and I felt like a stuffed sausage and I was constipated and I should have caught it when I was constipated Mm. but I just get busy and I just don't think about it and it's not that it's like an all stop it's just slower I think my motility is slower I think we all like in our efforts to improve our health, maintain our health, whatever, (laughs) maintain our sanity. We all get sidetracked. We forget to drink enough water. We forget to take our supplements. We um, don't eat enough protein, like whatever it is. It's so easy to do that. Um, So if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have known to go back to that. This is like your N equals one experiment, right? So yeah. And that's how we have to view the changes that we're making, you know, even when we're in those kind of stricter places. Um, but I loved what you said earlier about 
kind of just having an understanding of what your own deal breakers are. And I just, Mm -hmm. I love the simple language around that. We don't need to talk about intolerances or allergies or whatever. Like what are the deal breakers for you? How do you feel when this thing gets introduced into your life, whether it be stress, whether it be um, dehydration. Hello, Cassie gets Meniere's disease. Um, <laughs> um, we're just going to laugh about it for now. Um, <laughs> well, I can laugh about it because I actually have it so I can relate. So yeah, I, know. Yeah. I know. I refuse to have it. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> my doctor's going to be like, oh, that's cute. Um, I, but you know, finding what, what happens, what, what are the deal breakers for you? You know, for example, for, for me, I know I can't be having any sorts of like seed oils, canola oil, cottonseed oil, soybean oil, any of that. It does not work for me. So I have to be very careful where I eat French fries. Like, let's be real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I can find a place that fries their French fries in tallow, I am here for it. Oh my gosh. Um, When that happens, tell me. Which by the way, McDonald's used to do that, which is why their fries (sighs) were so good. And I think it changed in like the nineties maybe. Um, but or oh no, they used gosh. to fry them in lard. Pardon me, not tallow. Still pork fat. Yes, but <laughs> um, and I'm sure it still wasn't great pork fat at that point too. So right. that's another conversation as far as yeah. goes. But I digress. <laughs> um, so figuring out like what are those deal breakers for you? You know, can you introduce some flexibility into your life, knowing you know what happens when you add something back in, you know, and, and let's stop looking at, is this food good or is it bad? You know, I have found that lately, if I have pizza once a week, I'm okay. And I really like pizza. I love pizza so much. And Mm -hmm. the thing I'm eating gluten-free pizza because gluten-free feels better for me. Um, Mm -hmm. or I'm eating home fermented sourdough crust, which by the way is bomb. That sounds Um, amazing. That will be on the website eventually. Mm. Once I get my shenanigans together for 2020. Um, But this is like the conversation that I have just been ruminating on for my own self is, uh, and I think this is so interesting that we're kind of both coming to this at the same time is that we find inspiration in the conventional. Like that's where you, for you, it's absolutely, it's color and artistry and creativity. Mm -hmm. And the same is true when we're talking about quote unquote conventional food. And even then I'm still talking about like real basics. So, you know, I'm inspired by beautiful like bread making methods that are like, Mm. right. So they're still fermenting mm -hmm. everything. Everything's traditionally made, but the building blocks are gluten containing flour. And guess who does not give a shit? Me. My body can handle that a little bit. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, And so can my family. And I'm like, cool. And it, this is like a telltale sign. Like my husband can handle sourdough that originally came from glutinous flour. Um, but he can't handle gluten-free bread because they have all of the like gums and additives and yeast and all sorts of things. And, and it's hard on his body. And so, you know, he's like, I can handle when you make this, this bread that contains literally flour, water, and salt. That's it. Yep. So like minimal ingredients, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the inspiration that I get for baking comes from the conventional world. I want to make beautiful, gorgeous cakes like that. Well, you're, yeah, your pastry chef background. Like I, 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 if you're new, yeah, if you're new, you know, like Cassie can frost a cake. 
<laughs> I if I frost a cake in my Instagram stories, y'all are oh. here for it. It's like some so ASMR gonna stuff. Be, like we're gonna be doing more of that, and I'm really oh. excited for it. I felt like I said in you know in the beginning of the episode, I I felt just kind of lost. It's not easy for me to admit that I feel lost because I'm generally someone who knows exactly what they want, exactly what they have to say, and exactly their direction they're gonna go. Yeah, and I've been kind of ruminating and talking to my therapist, oddly, like, uh, and my business coach, of course, about Mm -hmm. what is the block with food blogging for me? Because I have said Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it for a very long time. Guess what? I've never actually done it. So like, let's Mm -hmm. not pretend that Cassie's a food blogger over here. I'm a chef, like for sure. Um, I share in my stories when I cook sometimes. Um, but I found myself just kind of what you were saying when you were thinking about, okay, let me buy this palette. I'm just not going to tell anybody about it. Like, let mm-hmm. me this Swiss meringue buttercream that is chock full of cane sugar and just not tell anybody about it. Or mm-hmm. I've got, I can make the gluten-free cake and I can sub out, you know, the sugar for whatever. And, and then I've got to figure out, okay, how do we find a dairy-free frosting? Well, that's not going to And then you have to test it all. <laughs> and, and I like, I so much mad respect for people who are creating incredible recipes that have almond flour and coconut flour and all of those things. But I'm tired of a getting questions about how to sub shit out and Mm -hmm. and like feeling like my creativity in the kitchen is stifled by these food choices because the choices that I'm making work for me. And I know Mm -hmm. if it works for me, there's got to be a subsect of people out there with whom it works for. Yes. Right. And so obviously, like I said before, just because I'm making a cake recipe that has, you know, I don't know, it's got gluten-free flour and there's real regular sugar. We're going organic people. We're doing our best here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course I'm going to be using like healthy, good quality fats. Of course I'm good sourcing. Yes. Like great sourcing, Mm -hmm. still using as close to whole foods as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you look at like the structure of a baked good, when you look at the structure of a makeup look, it's the same idea. Like, yeah, some of that takes some science. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the science is when you melt sugar with a tiny bit of water at a certain temperature, you get freaking candy or caramel or whatever it is. And The real stuff is better. And I would much rather have a teaspoon of the real stuff than tablespoons and tablespoons of paleo caramel because it's quote unquote better for me and because that's the way that I eat and that's my restriction. I would much rather have a delicious slice of gluten-free cake once every blue moon because I just am not a sugar person anyway. Um, then lean into trying to make paleo baked goods so that I can have them on a weekly basis and they fit with my lifestyle. And now someone else might be able to say that, that sentence backwards, right? They're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I can't do the gluten-free cake once a month. That doesn't work for me. What works for me is finding grain-free recipes that I can use in my everyday life. And then I don't feel restricted, but I'm on the other side of it feeling restricted. Well, what's interesting is like, there's like this, uh, I started, so I started opening up about this on my Instagram stories mm-hmm. and it led me to a really interesting place and in conversation with people because I, I opened it up and was like, what do you think? Like, I really, I wanted to hear what, because I know there's a lot of people following me that are into clean beauty. And so I was like, all right, guys, I want to buy this palette. <laughs> 
I really want to do this. And this is why. And then I walked through how I shop for it because I think there's a conversation around how to shop for like cleaner food, but there's not as much conversation around how to do that with clean beauty. Mm -hmm. It's just avoid this, avoid that, avoid this. And that's in the, but there's not a lot of conversation around why. And it kind of leads to miseducation and fear mongering. And I think that happens in the food community too, for sure. Yeah. But in the beauty community, there is so much gray area because there is no regulation. At least there's a little bit more in food, but not, not, not a ton, but there's even less in the beauty industry. Yeah. And so I opened up this conversation of like, how do I look at formulation? For instance, I looked at the Jeffree Star, um, his previous palettes, because I know he keeps the same formula, but changes the pigment color. And I was like, okay, so I understand the basics of what he is doing in his formulations. This also applies to food. So I understand that he uses a ton of mica and I understand he uses a ton of talc because those are the first two ingredients in all of his eyeshadows. And that's what I was looking at was eyeshadow. So keep in mind, I also took a look at his lipsticks. I will never buy his lipsticks ever because of the flavoring or fragrance that's in it, because of some of the crappy emollients that are in it, and because it's really close to my mouth. I'm probably going to eat a lot of it. Like, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So will I participate in his eyeshadows? Yeah. Will I buy his lipsticks? Never, never unless he completely changes his formulation, which I don't foresee happening. But I will be open to it if it happens. You know, I'll take a look at it. But for the longest time, I wouldn't even look at people's cosmetics like that because I, I thought they were all dirty. But now that I understand a little bit about what the problems are in the industry, I can make a better educated choice around it. Like, for instance, such the mica. Yeah, and it's important to be able to be like, feel like you feel educated in your consumerism. Yeah. And for me, like the mica and the talc, the only problems I see, because everything else in it, he doesn't have, and he doesn't have fragrance in his eyeshadow, which why, why? Like you don't need fragrance in an eyeshadow, but that's, so that's the popular thing to do these days, have like a smelly, nice smelling eyeshadow and it's kind of part of their branding. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to buy that. Ugh. I know. I'm just, I'm never going to buy that. And the other part of it is that I see a lot in there is things like mineral oil because it helps the eyeshadow have that buttery feel to it. I will never participate in that because I don't want mineral oil on my face. You know, so there's like certain hard no's for me, but like mica and talc also have a really bad rap, but a lot of people are, don't talk about mica, but it's the sourcing that's the problem. And there's a lot that's of complexity. That's more of a sustainability conversation than it is a health conversation. And an ethical conversation around like how it's farmed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so- so that's the conversation Kyle labor, There's a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. And I know you can synthetically make mica, mm -hmm. but we don't know how that interacts with the human body yet. So I'm a little like, let's, can, can we take a look at it before we start like flooding the market with synthetic mica? It also decimates a whole other economy for, anyway, there's a whole other conversation, but like talc. <laughs> like, I could go into that for We have a whole episode about mica and talc. We may. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we might. Yeah. I watched a really great documentary about a year ago on it. So but I'm really I, taking I in. I think the approach to flexibility that we're both taking has to do with knowing the inner workings of the body, the inner workings of how food is made, the inner workings of how cosmetics are made, whatever it is, and, and having such a good understanding of that, that we're willing to step outside of it because mm -hmm. we know the consequences. And same yes. thing with food choices. We know the consequences in our own body. Um, and we're willing to deal with those consequences, right? Yes. And yes. so- that's yes. kind of like just bringing everything full circle as you kind of, you know, look at, look at your health journey, look at your journey to clean beauty, um, you know, clean food, health, like healthy fitness approaches, whatever it is. And 
start to ask yourself, like, where can I introduce some flexibility? And does the thought of introducing flexibility make me uncomfortable? <laughs> does it, does it scare me a little bit? And be yeah. honest with yourself about that. Cause I was not be honest with yourself about why, you know, I think yeah. that's, that's a conversation to have. And then I'm going to refer you to the devoured podcast with my friend, yes. Lisa Holly, because she constantly has such an incredible conversation around, um, flexibility, autonomy, food choices, good and bad labels on food and um, exercise and whatever it is. Like the conversations that she's having with people, it just, they're all blowing my mind and they're so inspiring to me. The words that she has around this stuff, I'm just like, she's like a poet in this world. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. She half the things she says are like way over my head. And then six months later, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what she was trying to say. (laughs) I now understand. Okay. Why can't you say this to me in a practical way? (laughs) I don't speak poetry. I'm an eight. Um, (laughs) But I, it's, I, I just respect her so much. And I really recommend you guys go check out her work if you're starting to kind of ask yourself some of these questions too. And um, Genevieve and I will definitely be continuing to share more about this journey. Yeah, because y'all, I bought the palette. I'm so glad you did. You bought the palette. I'm Mm going to be putting some sugar up on my blog. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so like, let's talk about next steps. Like that's what now, like we've gotten to this place where we're, uh, we've done the strict, we've healed, we've figured it out. We've seen the inside of the industry or the body or whatever it is. And now we're frustrated. And after Mm -hmm. being frustrated, like what's the next step for you? Well, for me, it was like in the clean beauty, like makeup, skincare space. It was, I really had to make a really firm understanding of what was important to me and, uh, and choose not to purchase anything because of hype choose not to buy, purchase anything like I really had to look at myself really closely like am I buying this palette because of the hype because they did a really good job of hyping it mm. like really good job respect uh but I had to really like look at myself like is it the colors that I want is it is it the branding that I'm into like really like why am I buying something so I think when you're going out to buy something if something just makes you happy that's a good reason to buy something too and so really like take a look at your your emotions around buying something can be really important for your mental health I think too like I think a lot of this like rigidity can really feed into anxiety and fear and um, truth be told it can also like feed into um, depression too it can feed into all of these mental health things and it's like if we can take a firmer like look so for me it was let's look at the emotions around this purchase and kind of really look at it closely. Like, why do I have these feelings? And for me, this, this goes back to some of the Amber Ray stuff that I've taken in. If you uh, guys check out Hey Amber Ray, she talks about when you have these big feelings, like have this conversation with yourself of like, where did this come from? And for her, I found this really helpful is that if you have trouble really like diving into that deeper, like let yourself have a conversation with the character of that emotion and create a character on that emotion. And I know that sounds really cheesy and out there but it makes such a big deal to be able to take that back step because you're you're basically giving that emotion some space to be that emotion and you're allowing it to like have its place you know it's like okay I definitely felt fear and I wasn't willing to accept it for a long time and when I started to accept it and I was like this really scares me why does this scare me like why are you here like what is what's happening I was able to like 
break free from that feeling. And I was able to like, look at things a little more intuitively. And I think that's what we're coming at is like, if you can be more intuitive around your purchases, be more intuitive around like, how does this make me feel? Why does it make me feel that way? Um, I mean, to be honest, you might be fearful around buying something because you don't know enough about it. Then mm-hmm. that's a good signal to go do some research, like do some understanding, find some podcasts, find some content from people that you trust that you know are giving you right information. You know, like for me, I was having fear because I'm in this world of like sharing things. And I was like, what are people going to say? Like, yeah. and the responses were really interesting. And I thought it was, we have such a great community around us. And that's something else I think is really important is surround yourself with a community that allows you to have those moments mm-hmm. of like, what's happening here. Like if you are in a community of rigidity, that's a toxic place to be. Yeah. I, it's really interesting because we kind of do live in that community, but there's a little subsect of us who are like, uh, uh-uh. um, <laughs> and it's, it, it's really interesting. Like you, I, I really hope, I know you will be sharing more about how you make these choices because I have learned so much from you about just in the beauty space, like where am I allowed to like step outside of, of clean or even out of beauty counter, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have to stick with beauty counter. I just have found things that work so incredibly well for me that of course I'm always going to choose the cleanest version just as long as that clean version works for me. So it has to also perform in a way that works. And I think you know, we always have this conversation around the ma- the beauty counter mascara. Like it just kind of falls flat if we're just being real. Like, yeah, for me, I, you know, and when you found a clean enough option, oh my gosh, with Ilya, I w- was just so floored. You guys, we will link this in the show notes for you. So good. <laughs> um, but the Ilya mascara, and then I've been using like the Lash Food, and for me, mm. I, you know, this is this isn't even really part of the 20, right? This is still the 80%, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's feeling like you have to, you know, have rigidity around, you know, not only like the way you live your life in just using beauty counter products and, but living that lifestyle because you do that business. And, and what I find is that people love it when I show up truthfully and authentically. Right. So if Mm -hmm. I'm out there and I say like, no, I don't use the beauty counter mascara and here's why. Um, and, and neither should you, like, if I'm being super honest about it, I'm not just over here waving the flag and being like, buy everything beauty counter. Um, Mm -hmm. to be honest, you can buy everything else. Everything else is really good. (laughs) Right. Just the mascara. Or, or buy the lengthening (laughs) mascara just for your lower lashes because it's bomb for your lower lashes. It is bomb for lower lashes. You're right. But it doesn't, but I like two mascaras. I'm kind of bougie like that for my my eyes. Upper but lower, I will you know. say just, and this is, this is just an example. Like, you know, the same goes with like, let's say we're talking about eating quote unquote paleo, but you like this one thing and you have that one thing every once in a while. And it's not a big deal, but you're afraid to share about it because it disrupts the brand that you represent on Instagram or who mm-hmm. you say you're supposed to be. Go be who you are. Like mm-hmm. go fully envelop that imperfectness, that realness, that authenticity and show up that way. And if you guys haven't listened to the episode that we, that I did with, um, Jess Gertner from, um, just.hold the space on Instagram. Um, I can't remember what episode it is, but you guys can go check it out. I think it's in the fifties somewhere. <laughs> um, we've had so many episodes. It's been a while. Um, but we talked about authenticity on social media and I absolutely loved that conversation. And I, I think this just bodes to like, all anyone is asking from us is to just be real. And the people who don't want that realness, like you can just go. <laughs> it's fine. 
Um, and so, you know, I think as we represent the real food movement, the clean beauty movement, whatever it is, it's okay to also be a fucking human being. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that's hard for me to do because you know, I've, I've learned over the years as an Enneagram eight that not everything is black and white and I have to embrace the gray. And sometimes like the gray is the really happy place to be. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to be. And so, you know, for me, when it comes to like next steps with, you know, making these decisions around how I show up with my business and food blogging, quote unquote, in general, I, I, I'm just so tired of, typing out and deleting the tagline on my website for the longest time you guys said like grain-free recipes or like gluten-free recipes and I would go back and forth between grain-free and gluten-free and I was like what's acceptable here and and that was always Mm. the question I asked myself it's like well when people land here I want to just share the recipes I want to share I'm tired of having these guidelines around it like I'm not even gonna say gluten-free because maybe the sourdough isn't fully gluten-free like you know yeah yeah. I I'm I'm (laughs) just so tired of those limitations and and just labels in general that like I'm just gonna have a food blog that isn't defined and it's the same reason why I want to have a gluten-free restaurant that isn't advertised as like gluten-free because I just want it to be good food and I want yeah. it to be nourishing, but also a safe place that people can go who have a gluten intolerance or an allergy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So all I in all, you. I think the decisions I'll be making around business are going to be centered a lot more around what inspires me and what just is frankly like stupid delicious. I feel you. And I am it. I am still, and I think you probably resonate with this too. I'm still in a place where I am determined to make like gluten-free recipes taste so freaking good. I'm sure you are still in a place where you are determined to make clean beauty something that's accessible for people who still want to play with color and show people how they can still play with color when it comes to makeup if they're in the clean beauty space. Yes. Um, And that was called for in my stories. That was absolutely called for. Like it was really interesting having the response of like, I had really long responses when I asked, what do you think at the end of that long story? And a couple of them were very like, I see where you're coming from. I think it's really a couple of them called me brave even to like have this conversation. Mm. And um, a few people said, I would be really sad if you move towards conventional makeup. And I, I actually kind of kept going with that conversation with them and said, and, and said, well, I don't, I'll never be conventional because there's like a hard stop. Like there's certain things I won't participate in. Like if I looked at these yeah, palettes, Yes. If I looked at these Jeffree Star palettes and it had parabens in it, which is also common in eyeshadows, shame on you because you don't, not necessary. Um, <laughs> mineral oil, you know, and fragrance. I, I'm not going to purchase it. I don't care what the hype is. I don't care how beautiful the colors are or the packaging or the branding. But if you are like kind of in that gray area for me where I'm like, I don't know what's in your talc. I hope you, there's no asbestos in there, but I don't know for sure. And that's literally the only thing on the list. I'm like, well, and we also well, like, we have an entire episode dedicated to heavy metals in cosmetics and we get real fiery about that too. Mm-hmm, so like, mm-hmm. here's the other caveat when you're talking about, you know, color cosmetics and, and you're going to, you know, use this Jeffree Star palette and whatever. And here's how you made this decision. You go, well, you know, if you have an autoimmune condition or high levels of heavy metals and you've had those tested and you don't need to contribute that to your body right now, or you have hormone dysfunction, like don't make I'm gonna this- put that down. 
Like this is yes. you. Yes. But if you're doing just fine, exactly. then it is. And it's the same conversation around sugar or, mm-hmm. um, you know, fermented sourdough. It's, you know, this choice isn't for everybody and I'm not for everybody and you're not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just because you're someone who exists in the clean beauty community does not mean that you cannot be yourself and have that balance and yes. show that balance front facing. I think well, what was so beautiful important. though is these people felt like they could give me really honest feedback yeah. and I loved it so much. And I thanked them profusely. I said, thank you so much for telling me your thoughts on this. And they were very kind about it. They weren't like, uh, I will never follow you if you use conventional. Like they were not awful about it. They were just like, I'd be so sad because I love your what you do. And I know that I couldn't use the products that you're going to be using. And I was like, I was like, well, hold on. I totally get that. But I but there's certain hard stops for me. And you know, and if that still doesn't work for you, I totally get it. And it's going to be few and far between because truth be told, I'm going to get this beautiful palette and I'm going to do maybe a few looks on it and then I'll pull it out for maybe a few times a year. And mm-hmm. that's probably about it. You know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like holidays, you know, <laughs> you pull out the stops for holidays and then it's like, you know, I'm not talking about that as far as beauty, but like as far as food goes, like there's certain foods that you bring out for the holidays because it's like, that time of year. And that's probably what I'll do is just like a few times a year, I'll pull out palettes that have like this crazy color payoff that I wouldn't wear on a daily basis because I don't want to scare people, but <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And so like, I would never wear, okay, back when I was beauty blogging, when I had those really intensely pigmented products that I was using, I was putting them on, putting them on and then taking them off immediately because I wasn't going to go to the store looking like that. I wasn't going to go to the like school pickup looking like that. And it's like, there's certain times I would wear looks like that. And those are few and far between in real life. So I'm not going to use this palette all the time, every day, you know? So it's like having that conversation though, openly with people has been everything. So I seriously think people that are kind in their response, they're not bullying. They're not being crazy, overly opinionated. Like I'm right, you're wrong. It's just, you know, they thanked me for the open conversation, um, but they would be sad if I only used conventional or if I started to swing only towards conventional products. That's not what they'll use. And I'm like, get it. Totally understand. And that's not where I'll also, I would be like, understand that real food is the basis of everything that I do because yeah. it has healed me. It sustains me. It maintains my health, my wellness, Changed my life, mm-hmm. my physical health, my mental health, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So do the physical changes that I've made and how I exercise and how I show up, the mental health changes. Like we're still here for all of that. Yes. It's not, none of that will literally ever be abandoned for me. Never. Um, yeah. And that was, that was a good thing for me to be able to building say. building on a foundation. It's yes. finding flexibility when we've kind of established that foundation and have an understanding of what works for us. And again, kind of expanding out this conversation of like, how much can we get away with? And, you know, obviously developing bodies, little tiny humans, um, they can get away with less. And so here's what I will say. Um, I will be pretty strict with my nutrition, with my lifestyle, with my um, choices around uh, personal care products, all that kind of stuff when it comes to my son. And at, if I get pregnant in the future, same thing, um, mm-hmm. because that's a developing body. And if I can control how that's going, I absolutely will. Yep. So, yep, I, yep. yeah, I just honestly, I can't, <laughs> I cannot just live in this place of limitation anymore. I'm done. I'm done with it. Oh, 100%. And, not going to let it define me anymore. And neither are you. So I'm here for it. I realized that that was like an entire like 
45 minutes of what's up with me. I never like. No, it's just like a rant. It's just a purely rant episode. But really, when we started recording this episode, this really is a huge part of what's up with me right now is because it's also freeing up my creative energy. I feel so much more creative than I've been in a long time. I feel more inspired. I feel more calm, peaceful. Like I don't feel this is just a nice place to be after like three years of like serious rigidity this is like the question of asking yourself like if you feel like you have a block if something is getting in your way whatever this is like ask yourself why and try Mm -hmm. and dig and figure that out and obviously that can apply to a myriad of things Mm -hmm. but for me you know this was my question of like why am I creatively feeling blocked when it comes to showing up in the food blogging world which is by the way one of my absolute dreams and I'm fully capable I'm very capable of doing that. And the same with you, like what is getting in the way creatively of you being able to show up fully on Jenny B Beauty and share Mm -hmm. makeup and the knowledge that you have and play and have fun again. Mm -hmm. And so if you guys haven't listened to our episode on kind of unlocking creativity and like busting through some creative blocks, I highly recommend you do. Um, And that was a great conversation that we had not too long ago. So All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. We so appreciate you. Um, If you made it all the way to the end of this episode without defecting because we're not going to be 100% clean and perfect all the time. (laughs) Yes. We love you. You are are people. The imperfectness, the realness. Um, (laughs) If you haven't yet, please go hop over to um, iTunes and leave us a review. We love, love, love hearing from you. We want to know Um, what you like about the podcast and it helps us get the podcast seen and get more of this information out there. Um, And we just love you guys. Thank you so much for your time. We know how precious it is and the fact that you give it to us on a weekly basis or however often you listen, frankly, everything. It means everything. It's absolutely incredible. We are real imperfect humans who show up here for you guys and we absolutely love you and love this job um, and wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.